Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22 says this. Then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? And Jesus says, I tell you, not as many as seven, but 70 times seven. And for this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And then he would launch into this parable dealing with a... Uh, dealing with a few characters and the hypocrisy that was involved in one being forgiven and then the same person who was forgiven would not give forgiveness in the other direction. And so this morning, as we continue, or tonight, excuse me, as we continue on in our series, The Violence of Good, I want to speak to you from the subject, it just got personal. It just got personal. As we deal with the issue of forgiveness. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and it's active. It's powerful, that it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. Speak to us right now. We're listening. Our ears are open. Our hearts are soft. We need your voice in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. Have you ever noticed that we as humans have a tendency to aim for the lowest common denominator in, in, in the things of life in many different ways? I know we don't like to assess that about ourselves. If we're, if we're honest, we don't, like to, we don't like to deal with that. I think Peter asks a profound question right here that I think all of us maybe have asked one time or another, whether it's been about forgiveness or any other issue in our lives. But he says, how many times should I really, like, like seven times, so how many times should I forgive? Seven? Like, is that, is that a good number? Like seven times? Some, somewhere in that general ballpark. And then Jesus turns and he, and he, flips, the, he flips the script on the whole thing and he says, listen, uh, now we're going to go a lot higher than that 70 times seven. Why? Because human nature has a tendency to aim for, for this, the, the, the lowest, the status quo, the lowest common denominator. I don't know what, why we do that. I don't know what it is in us that causes us to do it. I want to illustrate it this way. Erica just got back from India. Um, finally, praise the Lord. And uh, I've learned how to forgive, I've forgiven her for leaving me for so long. But, um, but she got home on, on Friday night. And so I got home, uh, I went to pick up the kids. And as I was in the car, I was like brainstorming all the ways that I was going to get them amped about doing what we needed to do to prepare for Erica coming home. And that was clean the house, right? Because I didn't want her to walk into the circus that was called a home for the past 10 days and see what really went on. So <laughs> we tricked her. Um, but... Uh, so I got in the car and like, if, if, especially if you're a parent, you know like there's this hostage negotiation that goes on with your kids when it comes to the cleaning issue. And I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to convince them that it's time to clean and like we need to do this. So they got in the car and I was like, come on guys, you ready for this? And they're like, ready for what? And I'm like, you're ready for this. Just say yes. <laughs> and they're like, no, I'm not saying yes to anything. What are you talking about, dad? And I said, all right, we're going to do the best thing that we can do. We're going to clean our rooms. And they both, like, like, they kind of looked at me, and I was like, no, 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 guys, listen, this is the best thing that we can do. I mean, this is the, I mean, this is the hype train. Come on, mom's going to go home, and she can see you. And I'm just trying to pump this thing up. I'm getting, trying to get them amped. I'm like, even Eliana's amped, right? That's like my 18-month-old. I mean, she's pumped to clean her room, when really she's just going to be in a crib while we did everything. <laughs> so, so they're like, okay, yeah, they, they start kind of agreeing with me, and I'm like, mom's going to love it. That She's going to be so pumped about it, coming back from India. Like, come on, let's do this. The parish has cleaned the room. The parish has cleaned the room. And that's what I'm like chanting in the car, and they're like, my dad is crazy. My, yes, we know. So they get home, and uh, we walk in the door, and I was like, all right, guys, let's do this. So they put their bags down uh, where they needed to go, and then they start walking down the stairs to go clean their room, and I was like, it's a Christmas miracle. They're actually going to listen to me. This is insane. And so they walk down, and they get down the stairs, and they turn the corner. And as they turn the corner, I'm like, yes, it worked. 
they're going to do it. And as soon as I was doing this, Justice turns the quarter and catches me in like the happy dance. And I was like, what do you want? (laughs) And then he asked this question. He says, Dad, so how clean is clean? (laughs) How, how how, How clean is like clean, like on a scale of one to ten, what are we talking about here in, in, in cleanliness? And it was in that moment that, that I realized, man, that no matter how young we are, no matter how old we are, we have a tendency to move in this direction where we want to know what the lowest, what the lowest line is. Like, I want to know, like, really, like, how much should I forgive? Now, I, I deal with singles at times and teens, and I get this question about relationships, especially the physicality between two people who aren't married yet. How far is too far? <laughs> right? What are we looking for? We're looking for that line. It's like, how, how, how long can I play in the freeway before I get hit by a truck? Right? Why? Because we want to know these boundaries and these limits, and we don't want to know the furthest degree that they go. We want to know, like, how, how can I just skate by on this one? Let me put it this way. How can I be semi-obedient? How can I be halfway obedient? Not fully obedient. And this is the issue that we face with forgiveness. Because if we're all honest, we've all had moments in our lives where maybe you've thought, man, the world would be a better place if it wasn't for people. (laughs) Come on, can we be honest in church tonight? Where where I've sat back and I thought, because this is a very transparent message for me because I'm going to be really truthful. There's moments in my life where I've just wanted to like throat punch somebody. (laughs) There's been moments in my life where I wanted people to feel the pain that I feel. There's been moments in my life where I wanted people to go through what I went through because of them. And that's what's really hard for us to deal with sometimes if we're, if we're honest. And, and so many times when we approach this topic in church and we deal with the issue of forgiveness, we kind of go forgiveness light. We don't talk about it in the way that's going to challenge us, that's going to take a scalpel to our heart in order to press into something that is, at the end of the day, a very difficult thing for us to engage in. Why? Because forgiveness is a supernatural act that natural people do not function in. It's a supernatural act that we don't naturally engage in. Why? I mean, let's just be truthful about it. Our natural disposition tends to be bitterness. Our natural disposition tends to be hatred. Our natural disposition tends to be frustration. Our natural disposition tends to be revenge and retribution. Yeah, we Christian it up sometimes and we call it justice. But that's not what we're really wanting. Because the Bible tells us that justice is the Lord's and the Lord's only. So when we're clamoring for justice, what we're really wanting to do is we're putting a nice term on something that we really want, which is revenge. And this is a hard thing for us to compute. Forgiveness is something that we got to be fully obedient in. Why? Because forgiveness is one of the most violent acts of good that we will ever participate in. And when people are involved in our lives, which they're going to be, we have to learn forgiveness. Why? Because at the end of the day, the gospel, the good news, this Bible right here, only fleshes itself out in relationship. Because so many times we want, the, we, we want to say all the nice things about the Bible, right? We want to say all the good things about the Bible. We want to participate in all the good things until it actually means that I've got to give grace to people. 
that I got to give forgiveness to people, that I got to actually learn to be joyful in a situation that doesn't, that doesn't warrant or dictate joy. And so what we're trying to do here tonight is we're trying to figure out, okay, how do we engage in forgiveness? How do we become people of forgiveness? How do we operate in this thing that for many of us is is absolutely 100% one of the most difficult things that we could ever participate in? For some of us tonight, forgiveness is a stronger word than any expletive that I could use in this moment right now. For some of us, even right now, our heart is seizing. We're, We're starting to tense up. Because we have this thing in the back of our minds, you don't know what happened to me. You do not know what that person did to me. You do not know how I was abused. You do not know the stuff that I've gone through, and you are 100% right. This is not my thing. This is God's thing. I'm not the one asking you to forgive. God's the one asking us to forgive. And he's the one that does know your situation. He does know your circumstance. He does know what you've gone through. So what I want to do tonight is I want to, I want to take a look at three reasons for forgiveness. And, and hopefully, maybe bring a new perspective on forgiveness so that we can participate in forgiveness in our lives and receive the benefits that actually come from forgiveness. But I need your help tonight. Come on over, shout number one. First one is this, is that forgiveness initiates a posture of submission in our lives. Forgiveness initiates a posture of submission in our lives. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 to 25 says this, Jesus replied to them, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Now, Jesus is talking, he's not literally saying like, listen, if you walk out front tonight and ask the Wasatch Mountains to rise, they'll rise. You're probably not gonna see that happen, okay? What he's saying is that there's mountains in our lives that we can speak to, that we can deal with, and if we deal with them in faith, if we deal with them understanding that God is faithful in that, we could see these mountains move, and then he'll talk about it. Watch this, therefore I tell you, everything you pray and ask for, believe, You have received it and it will be yours. And then watch what he connects. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. So that your Father in heaven will also forgive your wrongdoing. I don't know about you, but when I hear that, it sounds like a giant mountain. And that's what's happening because so many times we we can want God to do all these things in our life. But we are unwilling to, with faith, give the very thing that was given to us, forgiveness. So here's what we need to understand. Submission should be the posture of our lives. And forgiveness is about God before it's about people. You hearing me tonight? Forgiveness is first and foremost about God before it's about people. And many of the reasons that we get tripped up in forgiveness is because we believe it's first and foremost about people, not about God. Forgiveness is about my relationship with God, being in submission. But here's the problem with submission. We don't like it. Come on, how many of us really love submission? Like none of us, especially as, as Westerners, as Americans. Right, Americans, it's just, no, no submission. I'm my own person, America. <laughs> right? It's our creed. It's our stance on everything. We are independent and we are, we are rebellious. I got any rebellious people in the house tonight? 
You got a streak of, like a streak of rebel in you. You ever have that moment as a rebel person? Like you just like, you're trying to stay, you're trying to stay and you're just like, I just need one moment to just be a rebel. I just want to be a rebel, a rebel without a cause. <laughs> That's called anarchy. And just <laughs> we don't like submission. And the funny thing is, is it's, it's something that's like innate inside of us. Erica was out of town. I was trying to figure out how to comb my 18-month-old daughter's hair. And she's got this way of saying things right now. She's, no. She has an attitude, but no. No, like she's disgusted with you. And I was like, how is an 18-month-old disgusted with me already? <laughs> No, no. And then she started adding way to it. So now she goes, no way. And I'm waiting for like the no way, <laughs> snap, right? No way. She wiggles and everything like that. So I did what every good father would do. I put her in a stranglehold. <laughs> and I was like, you will submit while I comb your hair. <laughs> we don't like submission. There's something inside of us that wants to rebel and move outside of the of the boundaries. And one of the greatest reasons that we kick against forgiveness is because forgiveness automatically puts us in a place of submission. It automatically submits our lives. It's an obedient issue. Why? Because however you may have come to believe about God, he is more interested in your character than he is your comfort. He's more interested in your character than he is your comfort, and therefore many of the blessings that we will find in life come as a repercussion of obedience, submission. See, before forgiveness is about people, it must be about God. And I think that this has helped me the most in my life in regards to forgiveness. You see, depending on the offense, it would be really easy to justify why someone is not worthy of our forgiveness. We could all come up with a million and one reasons, but when you realize that this is about our relationship with God first and foremost, it changes how we approach the subject and reality of forgiveness. Because here's what I've come to realize. Many of us have a tendency to believe in fairy tale forgiveness. Just like we believe in fairy tale marriages and fairy tale relationships and fairy tale, all kinds of fairy tales that we believe, right? These unicorn like things that we chase after and they don't actually exist. We believe in fairy tale forgiveness. And fairy tale forgiveness is that the people that have offended us and hurt us and bothered us and done harmful things to us, that they will come and ask for our forgiveness. But notice when Jesus says forgive, he's not predicating it upon somebody coming and asking for it. He's simply saying the initiative is you giving it freely. You forget. Because at the end of the day, man, we'd all love it if people would come to us and ask for it. Like, wouldn't we? We would love that if it was just as easy. Like, like Dave offends me all the time. Right? And I think it'd be awesome if like Dave, like after he's offended me, he realizes that he's offended me. And after he spent an entire week of crying about it and praying about it and just like, just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I offended him. He comes to me and in a moment of complete and total desperation, he literally bows before me and says, oh, thou thus Jason, please receive thine apology. Oh, <laughs> forgive me, forgive the sin that I've committed against you. <laughs> we would all love that. 
How many of you know? Never going to happen. That's a fairy tale. But that's what we want with forgiveness. We want, we want people to posture. No, no, no. Jesus is saying, listen, forgive. Your forgiveness of others, no matter what's been done to you, is not about them. It's about you and me. It's about where are you at with me? Can you be obedient to my voice? Can you be obedient to my design? Can you be obedient to my call on your life? Instead of needing to have something done in order to draw something out of you. Forgiveness. So the first thing that we need to understand is forgiveness initiates a posture of submission. God, I'm going to submit to you in this area. I'm going to bow my life to you in this in this area, check this out. I'm gonna bow my offense to you in this area as I learn how to forgive. See, Peter was being generous here when he said seven times. Traditional rabbinic teaching was that an offended person only needed to forgive a brother three times. So then Jesus like doubles down on that and he says, listen, 70 times seven. It's 490 times. Now, for the A-type personalities in here. <laughs> You're counting to 491. <laughs> but here's the deal. Jesus wasn't setting a quota. He wasn't setting a line. He was trying to get us to understand that this issue of forgiveness is, is, is broad scope in our life. How many times do we forgive? We keep on forgiving. We keep on forgiving. Now, the problem is, is that for some of us right now, we're like, oh, okay, so in my forgiveness, this is how we've created fallacies. In my forgiveness, then I just gotta keep putting myself in a position to be hurt by somebody. No, 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 we're not saying that. Forgiveness isn't weakness. Forgiveness isn't submission to somebody who will, continuing, who will continue to hurt you. Uh-uh. Forgiveness is trusting God with the offense that has power over you in this moment. And when I give forgiveness, the power of the offense no longer has me. I'm saying, I'm going to live free in Christ. I'm going to live free in everything that he has for me. So i got to let that thing go. But it doesn't mean that I put myself back in a position to constantly be hurt and offended and damaged by somebody. Why? Because sometimes it's better to love from a distance than it is to hate in proximity. Come on. <laughs> But somehow we've arrived at this conclusion that, that we as Christ followers are supposed to be so super close with everybody, even the people that are legitimately hurting us. Sometimes the greatest act of grace that you can give is back away. I know for some of that, so that's going to mess with our theology. But that's what this series is about. We'll talk about this a little bit more in this series. So how many times do we forgive? We keep on forgiving. We keep on forgiving. We keep on forgiving. Second one is this, every shot number two. Second thing is this, is that forgiveness forces us into a supernatural trust upon God. Romans 12, 14 to 19 says this, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. I love that verse. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If, if it's possible, if possible, as far as it depends on everyone else, as far as it depends on your neighbor, as far as it depends on your spouse, as far as it depends on your roommate, as far as it depends 
on this person and that person and your boss and your employee and your other, the other people at work with is as much as it depends on everybody else. No, no. What's it say? As far as it depends on who? Come on, let's say it one more time. As far as it depends on who? Us. Live at peace with everyone. And friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay says the Lord. So here's the thing that we need to understand is that forgiveness is a trust issue. Not trusting others, trusting Jesus to do what he said he would do. And it's a mechanism that he uses in our life. Forgiveness is a mechanism that he uses in our life to put us, to submit us (laughs) into a place of trust. He wants us to, to trust him. Now, for many of us in here, we can't even come close to understanding what it would feel like to be raped, beaten, abused, objectified, slandered, gossiped about. For many of us, we would not be able to comprehend the devastating effects of loss due to tragedies such as murder, drunk driving, the repercussions of another person's actions. Yet some of us sitting in this room tonight are very much aware of what that feels like. Very much aware of the effects of a pain and a grievance given to you that you had no control over. And we say naturally, how could I forgive somebody? God says, trust me with vengeance, trust me in the process, trust me because you can exact your revenge and you will never find the peace that you are looking for. We'll never find it, why? Because peace never comes from an act of hatred, peace only comes from love. And that love is what we find in Christ and that is why the Bible tells us that perfect love casts out all fear. Come on, am I talking to anybody tonight? We've got to learn how to forgive because it puts us in a place of trusting God with the outcome, trusting God with everything that we need, trusting God with the situation, trusting God with the pain that we're feeling. This is a surgical series that we're in. I had somebody walk up to me today after the second service, and they're like, I forgive you. (laughs) I was like, for what? And they're like, I forgive you for teaching me about forgiveness. Because <laughs> I didn't want to hear this today. Another gentleman walked up to me afterwards, tears in his eyes. I kid you not, this was, this was crazy. This, this broke my heart. And then he healed it all at the same time. <laughs> He's like, I'm, I'm leaving here today to go talk to my brother, to not tell him that I'm forgiving him, but to ask for, for his forgiveness. And he goes, I've never thought about it that way before. I've never seen it that way before. Because one of the greatest things that we do is we hop and skip around this issue. We don't want to touch it. Why? Because inherently connected to forgiveness is pain. (laughs) Right? We don't want to deal with our forgiveness issues. Why? Because it's connected to deep-seated pain. 
It's connected to the things that we don't want to talk about. It's connected to the things, the dark places of our closet, the skeletons. It's connected to the things that happened to me in the past. And if I can just keep walking forward, then I'm not going to have to deal with the past. And here's the, here's the thing that we need to understand about forgiveness. is Forgiveness is giving up on the notion that you can make the past different. Forgiveness is rather allowing yourself to move on from the power that the past has over you into the grand future that God has for you. But we don't do this by forgetting. <laughs> and we've created this weird theology. I've literally heard it taught before, and maybe I've done it one time or another in earlier years of preaching, that, that our, our best maneuver when it comes to forgiveness is forgive and forget. But how many of you know we don't forget? We don't forget. I remember, and every time I want to forget, I remember more. <laughs> Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? And then you're frustrated. You're like, I'm supposed to forget. He told me, forget it. No, 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 no. Forgive it. Two things Jesus will not do in your life. He will not give you amnesia, and he will not make you numb. Come on. But somehow along the way, we've been taught that when we give our life to Jesus, when we say yes to Jesus, he makes everything beautiful, right? It's just like fields of gold and stings playing in the background, and it's just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the way it works. The way it works is he says, I'm going to walk with you through your pain. I won't leave you in it, but I'm going to walk with you through it, meaning that you're going to have to face it. You're going to have to forgive it, and you're going to have to move on from it. And occasionally, you're going to be able to look back, and you're going to remember that thing back there. And then you're going to remember the powerful process of trusting God and submitting to God and letting go of it and stepping into a new life, a new moment in Christ Jesus. Come on, anybody thankful for Jesus tonight in our life? Come on, somebody. And the last one is this. Everybody shout number three. Forgiveness codifies the cross in our lives. Forgiveness codifies the cross in our lives. I love that word because of what it means. It means this, that it's the, it's the act of having something arranged, whether it be a law or a system, taking root at a systemic level in our lives. In other words, when we operate in forgiveness, we are allowing the cross and the power of the cross to have its full work in our lives. We are allowing the cross not to be a symbol that represents our faith, but a savior that reorganizes our hearts. Did you hear that tonight? See, my job as, as your pastor is to not help us get better at wearing symbols of our faith. My job as your pastor is to point you to the cross that reorganizes our hearts. Because for so long and for many years and in this culture that we live in, our faith has become a pop culture symbol. It's, it's a thing around our neck. It's a t-shirt. It's a, it's, a, it's a mug that says, I woke up with Jesus. Which is weird at best. And so we have our Christian mugs and our Christian t-shirts and our Christian subcultures. Come on, somebody. These little places that we run and hide when the world has become big and bad. And Jesus all along said, no, no, I didn't call you to run from the world by creating a subculture. 
I called you to give everything that you are to me to have the strength to enter into culture. And because your heart has been reorganized, you learn to affect the culture. Why? Because you're a city on a hill. You are salt and light. And the strength to do so is found in learning to forgive. Why? Because when you walk in the world, you're going to be hurt, you're going to be offended, you're going to be frustrated, you're going to be pushed on, you're going to be critiqued and criticized, you're going to be hated, you're going to be marginalized, you're going to be all of those things. i got to learn how to forgive. It codifies the cross in our lives, and it's amazing to me that Jesus could be at the precipice of his death. And then he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. That is the cross of Christ in our lives. I wonder if when Jesus spoke about carrying our cross, forgiveness was a part of that. Because I think for many of us, what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to go all literal. Jesus said, carry my cross. This will be easy. There's no wooden beams around here. I don't necessarily see like the chances of me being crucified in the next 80 years. Probably not high. All right. I can do this. But what if the cross was grace? What if the cross was forgiveness? What if the cross was loving when we don't want to? Man, when I have to bear that cross, that gets harder. That gets harder. See, when we forgive, we're putting into action that which was established on the cross by Jesus. And his cross is the defining moment in all of our lives. The cross says we can find forgiveness And the cross says we have forgiveness. The cross is the solidification of that forgiveness. And the cross is the power to extend forgiveness. Every other place, bitterness, frustration, hatred, it's quicksand. It's quicksand. Have you ever tried to love somebody from the position of bitterness? It doesn't work. It's so hard. And I've met so many people that are like, I'm trying to love them. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says to love all people. I'm trying to love them. And I'm like, yeah, but you are bitter. I mean, you are lemon status right now on the whole bitterness and sour thing. Like, that is quicksand, and it is dragging you down. Have you ever tried to love somebody from a position of hatred? It didn't work. They fight against each other, but forgiveness, when I can extend forgiveness, even though I don't want to, even though they don't deserve it, even though they shouldn't get it from me, when I can extend forgiveness, the quicksand goes away, and I have a firm foundation, the foundation that Christ said he would be in my life, and I forgive from it. For the marrieds in here, you want to change your marriage, learn how to forgive each other. You can have all the keys that you want. Seven keys to a happy marriage. Seven keys to an amazing marriage. All the other things that they, you have seven principles, seven keys, 85 books. 
Tony Robbins could literally be in your living room every single day, pumping you up, right? Without forgiveness, it'll never go anywhere. I've literally had couples, couples sitting in my, in my office, and I'm sitting like, I've got a table and two chairs on purpose. The table's the boundary. <laughs> and I sit right here to mediate, okay? And like, I size up the guy because I'm like, if he comes over this table, I think I can take him. <laughs> and then I size her up and I'm like, no, you don't want to mess with her. <laughs> so I sit in the middle and I watch. And you can literally tell I've had couples sitting in my office where you could literally feel the visceral hatred coming off of them. If I said go, <laughs> spider monkeys waging war. <laughs> right? I've watched this happen. There's so much pain and so much hatred, so much division. They talk and they grit their teeth. You don't know. You don't know what he's done. You don't know what she held me back from. You don't know the pain. You watch as tears start to fall. I've come to realize that it's in our sweetest moments of pain. Jesus shows up. See, here's the thing that we got to understand, church. He's not attracted to our perfection. He's attracted to our brokenness. And many of us try to hold it back and hold it in and not deal with it. So hold it together. Can I plead with you tonight? Do not hold it together. Fall apart. Fall apart but fall apart at the foot of the cross. Don't fall apart at the bar. Don't fall apart at the club. Don't fall apart behind the computer screen. Don't fall apart in that other woman's arms. Don't fall apart in that other man's arms. Don't fall apart by letting go of what Jesus has done in you. Don't fall apart at that college party. Don't fall apart at the foot of the cross. Because when you lie broken there, he says, listen, I understand where you are at. And in your brokenness, I will heal you. And that's when forgiveness is given. And when I receive forgiveness, I give forgiveness. When I receive forgiveness, I give forgiveness. When I receive it. I give it, and here's what I want us to understand as we close in this moment. You will never be able to give what you haven't freely received first. And so tonight, some of us need to understand that God's forgiven you. Over and over and over and over, he's forgiven you. And when you receive that, we receive the greatest blessing that we will ever get and that we will ever give.
In Jesus' name. Would you stand your feet with me?